0: If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash gift. Thank you for listening. A simple Christmas sometimes is not possible, right? We, we get so wrapped up in, in, in the complicated business of Christmas. We get, uh, we get so... Busy with gifts and wrapping paper and the Christmas tree and the dinner, whose house are we going to, and the Christmas parties at work. We get so overwhelmed. At least I do. I don't know about you. But I can get overwhelmed and my pocketbook gets overwhelmed. Amen. Amen. And I feel like things are just barely, barely uh, staying together. But the reality is, and what we've been looking at over the past couple of weeks is that uh, although uh, we complicate Christmas because it's us that complicate it, it's us that, that we get all wrapped up with these things. Uh, and I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. You do whatever you need to do in your family, whatever you want to do. But what I'm saying is that the, the message of Christmas in reality is very simple. That there is a God that loves you And he loved you so much that he manifested himself into flesh and was born just like you and I were born for the purpose of giving you life. For the purpose of giving you an opportunity to come before him and accept the love that he offers and accept the hope that he brings and accept the joy that he wants to give you because the reality is that Jesus, when he was born, he was born bearing gifts even though the three magi came and they gave gifts to Jesus. Jesus was the one that came with the bundle of of gifts and blessings for you and for me. So the, the Christmas message is At its essence, at its core, very simple. I'm going to invite you as you're seated, uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 12. This is one we're not going to have up on the screen. Luke chapter 2, we're going to read in verse 8. The Word of God says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And I want to just make a quick pause right here. It says that the shepherds were living in the fields nearby, and they were keeping watch over their flocks at night, and then while they were working, while they were doing this, something miraculous happened, something spectacular happened. It says that an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And as I was reading this, uh, this is a complete sidebar, okay? This is completely different. What, What came into my mind, I felt God's Spirit speak to me and say, See, Daniel, when you want me to manifest myself in your life, you need to make sure you're keeping busy. You need to make sure you're keeping watch because every time that I read in the Bible, every time I see God speak to somebody, that person or that woman is doing whatever it is that God has given them to do at that moment, whether it was David, he was tending to his father's sheep, whether it was Moses, he was tending to the flock of his father-in-law, whether it was Peter, he was fishing when Jesus called him. So no matter where you find yourself, and you may find yourself in a spot, Uh, where you haven't heard God's voice in a while. Maybe you don't feel like God is with you. I'm just here to tell you today, keep working on the assignment that God has given you. Don't give up today. Because most of us, we we give up just right before God is going to answer. And we think maybe I've been praying for so long for my son and uh, just at that moment when you're about to give up, Don't give up. Maybe it's you've been praying for a breakthrough in your marriage and you feel like your marriage is falling apart. Keep watch over what God has given you. Don't give up. If you want the glory of the Lord to reveal itself in your life, keep watch. Keep watch. But that's not my sermon today. And in verse 11 or 10, it said, the angel said to them. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Everyone say good news. Good news. That will cause great joy. Everyone say joy. For all, not for some, not for a few, not for two or three, for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So here we see these shepherds and they're tending their flock and they're doing their work and they're uh, working without stopping. It says it's night that they're working and then all of a sudden these angels appear to them and the angel of the Lord says to them that I've got good news for you. And it's not just good news that you're going to remember today and then forget about tomorrow, right? It's good news that not only will it bring you uh, happiness and joy at this moment to you, but this news is going to bring joy to all the people. And the cause of this great news was, or this joy was the gospel, which we call the good news. It was the birth of Jesus. It was that a Savior has been born. And my question to you this afternoon is, what brings you joy? Because the angel says that this news that I'm about to give you, this announcement that Jesus is born, that a Savior is born, is going to bring joy to your life. But sometimes we as Christians and as human beings... We rock around in our lives, in our world, and, and we find ourselves going from one thing to the, to the next, trying to find happiness and trying to find joy in our lives. And the, and the sad mistake that we make is that, the, that we equate joy with happiness. But happiness is very fleeting, as you know. Right? Because from one instant to the next... Your world can be turned upside down. You get a phone call or you get some bad news. And that happiness you may have been feeling during the Christmas party as you're opening your gifts can be taken away. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness is an emotion. But see, the Bible speaks of something called joy. And the key to really have joy in our lives despite whatever may be going in our, happening in our lives is that the key to joy in our lives is contentment without complacency and normally we would think of contentment as something maybe negative you know he's just content uh, uh, he doesn't strive for anything uh, and we 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 have to understand that there is a sense in our lives of contentment that we need to be content with what God has given us but we can't be complacent where we find ourselves and see contentment the secret to contentment is that it comes through gratitude you have to be grateful in your life tell your neighbor you got to be grateful Oh, okay, you're not great. Tell your other neighbor, you got to be grateful. You got to be grateful. And see, complacency, complacency is, is something that is truly negative because when you get complacent, you don't move. When you get complacent, you're stuck in the same place. And and in leadership and in growth, uh, when we talk about growth and leadership, we talk about this growth mindset that we should have. And not a fixed mindset. Because if we're fixed and we're not going and we see everyone else passing us up and we see everything else moving along and we're stuck in the same place, what's going to happen is we become discontent. The truth is that when we grow complacent and we get stuck in whatever stage of life we are in, our discontentment will manifest in our lives. And see, this is what Paul writes to in Philippians. And I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to the letter of Philippians. And I'm going to read through some verses really quick and then we're going to park ourselves in chapter 4, verse 10. But Philippians chapter 1. If you brought your Bible, open your Bible. If you have your Bible app, tap to your Bible app and tap to Philippians chapter 1. And I'm going to read a couple of verses, so you're going to have to keep up, okay? Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with what? Joy. With joy and then in verse 18 says but what does it matter the important thing is that every way in every way whether from false motives or th- or true Christ is preached and because of this I I rejoice yes and I will continue to what and then verse 25 convinced of this I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith Chapter 2, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, verse 2, then make my joy complete. Again, he's talking about joy, verse 17. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Chapter 3, verse 1 Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Chapter 4 Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Verse 4 Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again because just one time saying it isn't enough. I got to say it again. You have to rejoice. You have to rejoice. Chapter 4, verse 10. This is where we're going to spend some time. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So so we kind of just went through the letter uh, to the Philippians, and Paul is writing about this common theme about joy and rejoicing. And the one thing you got to understand that as Paul is writing this letter... Paul is writing from chains in a jail. And he's encouraging the church. He's encouraging his fellow brothers and sisters. And he's telling them, hey, it's, whatever is happening in life, you got to rejoice. And I will say it again, you got you to rejoice. And in Philippians 1.21, he says that for me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain. And he's saying that no matter the situation, whether I live, I'm going to live for Christ. And if I die, hey, that's a good thing also. And if I'm in jail, guess what? I'm going to let all the jailers know about Christ. If I'm in sickness, well, that's great because this is an opportunity for God to be manifested in my life. And if I can maintain my faith through the sickness. And God does do this miracle in my life. Well, glory to God. But if he doesn't, and I go to be to heaven with God. Well, that's gain for me. Amen. Amen. See, and we have an erroneous thoughts in our minds, City Church, that, that for us to live a life full of joy, life has to be perfect. Because isn't that the message of this world? Especially around this time. Isn't this what advertisers tell us? And they set up this beautiful picture as you're watching these commercials. And as you're seeing these things about if only you had this one product. Look at how happy this family looks. Look at how beautifully they eat the macaroni helper. Look at how everyone's so well. Even the dog listens. And we're bombarded with this message that in order for life to be good, in order for us to be joyful in our lives, life has to be perfect. But let me tell you, contentment is not based on circumstances. Contentment is not based on circumstances. And what Paul is saying that the secret he has learned to be content in any situation, whether he's in need or he has plenty, whether there's food or there aren't any beans on the table, it it, it doesn't matter. He's learned the secret, whether it's easy or hard, whether it's good or it's bad, whether it's sickness or whether it's health, that the secret to being content in life is that Christ is within him. Amen. That I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Amen. And see, sometimes we, we take this verse out of context and we apply it to certain things about... Uh, you know, I, I'll be able to do certain things because Christ is with me and he gives me the strength. And that's true. Yeah, God will give you the strength. But what Paul is talking about here is talking about contentment and having things or not having things. And we got to understand that joy is not the absence of suffering, but rather joy is the presence of God in our lives. Amen. And when are we as a church really going to galvanize around this truth in our lives that no matter what the present suffering in this day and age is, that as long as Christ is in me, as long as Christ is for me, I can face whatever the world may throw at my life. When we have God in our lives, we can't help but be grateful. That's what Paul says, I've learned to be grateful content There comes a certain gratitude when you learn to be content. Gratitude when you and I begin to look around and we see the different things that God has blessed us with. Things that we take for granted. For instance, the chair you're sitting on has a little bit of padding. Thank God. Be grateful. Because I've sat in chairs with no padding for hours on end. And and there's little things that we forget that God has provided us with this blessing. And we are not grateful for those things. And and the other thing is that we forget many times to recognize the gratitude in our lives. And we live lives that, yeah, I'm grateful, I'm grateful, but we don't... We don't express it. We don't even express it in our prayers. We just have this mindset that God knows. Right? It's like when you don't tell your wife I love you. Oh, she knows I love her. I don't need to tell her. You need to tell your significant other that you love her. That you love him. That you're proud of them. That you're grateful for them. Where would my life be without you, my love? This is not a marriage conference, okay? But take it, take it, all right? Our level of contentment is directly related to the level of gratitude in our lives. So the question becomes, how how can we have more joy in our lives? So I thought, well, instead of me telling you what you need to do to have joy, I, I thought I'd tell you, well, what actually people that are grateful in their lives, what they do. Okay, And there's four things. And if you want to write them down, you want to take notes, go for it. People who are grateful tend to compare less. See, what happens is that, that we, we confuse our wants with our needs. And we begin to look at the things that we want as if it's a need. And the problem is that when our want becomes our need, our need becomes Greed. And we become obsessed with gathering things and having stuff. And we compare ourselves in our social media. And we compare ourselves with our neighbors. And we compare ourselves to what other people have and what we don't have. And we begin to look at everything through a lens of comparison. And if there's any greater killjoy in life, It's comparing ourselves to others. Comparison will keep you in a state of ungratefulness. And see, Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And we can shout it. And we can, we can say, preach it, and we can believe it, but in actual practical, uh, and that practical sense of the, uh, of the idea of the concept is that we truly do compare ourselves with others. Man, those are some nice shoes. Where'd you get them? I'm going to go get me a pair. That's a nice jacket you're wearing. Nice car, man. And, and, and we look at things and and we begin to turn our wants into these needs and we begin to want to gather all this abundance of possessions. And Jesus said, life does not consist of the possessions that you have. That is not the greatest thing. That is not why I put you on this earth. That is not what I've created you for. And the desire to want more, to get more, and to have more It's not just relegated to those who have a lot, right? This is not a respecter of people. Greed is not a respecter. It's not just in the rich people. You can find greed in the middle class. You can find greed in the poor. And we are constantly, constantly looking. Our eyes are looking. Did you see where they went on vacation again? when are we going to go on vacation, honey? I wish you were more like, don't ever say that to your husband. Don't, uh, guys are pretty smart. You don't, you're not going to say that to your wife, right? And we compare, and we compare, and we compare. Second thing is that people who are grateful, they tend to enjoy more. This is the season of Christmas lists. Have you made your Christmas list? You guys aren't going to raise your hands now after this, right? <laughs> and we make a list of the things that we don't have that we want to have. And we lose sight about what Christmas truly is about. right? The guy was saying all these things and then, oh yeah, don't forget the reason for the season is Jesus. And we've turned this event into a commercialized, and that's why many people have this hard. Uh, time wrapping their minds around Christmas, that it's a pagan holiday and all this and that. And it may be in its origin, but we as Christians have the right to take things and make them into honoring uh, things that honor God and give glory to God, amen? And, And that's what we try to do with Christmas and the message of Christmas that Jesus was born and he came to give blessings in our lives. And what if, as a church, We decided to make new types of Christmas lists. Instead of making a list of the things that we don't have and we wish we had, why don't we make a list and we say to our sons and to our daughters, our Christmas list this year begins with that we are thankful for what God has given us. I'm thankful for your mother. I'm thankful for your father. I'm thankful for this home. I'm thankful for this car. I'm thankful for this job. I'm even thankful for that manager that I don't like very much. I'm thankful for what God has given me. Because God has given me so much. He's offered me salvation. He's offered me peace. He's offered me love. He's offered me joy. He's offered me forgiveness. And all I have to do is cry out to the heavens and look to the mountains where my help comes from. And my help comes from the maker of the heavens and the earth, He comes from the Lord. I challenge you. Christmas Day, I'm not telling you to go return all the gifts. Don't make people mad at me, okay? Don't make your kids mad at me. But what I'm saying is take some time Christmas morning or Christmas Eve when you, I don't know, when you open your gifts. And before you start doing all the craziness of the wrapping paper and all that, take some time. Open the Bible. Read the Nativity story. Read Luke chapter 2, uh, verse, verse chapter 2, and, and read through the birth of Jesus and remind your children that the reason that we celebrate Christmas is not the presents, but it's the present that God gave us in the form of Jesus Christ. And look at all that he's done for us. Look at it all. We have to recognize what God has already given us. And when we begin to recognize what God has given us, we we tend to enjoy it more. Praise the Lord. We tend to enjoy the things that we have when we recognize it as a blessing. That's why it's so important. Stop looking at other people's stuff. And look at what God has given you. Enjoy it. Be grateful for it. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? And see, the thing is that I'm not going to say who. I'm not going to name names. But see, there's a child in my house that he's got something already, but he thinks he needs a better and upgraded model. And he believes that's going to change his life. And we've gone through this several times. And we get the greatest and latest model, but the f- happiness and the joy that it brings only stays for a short while until he forgets about it, until he, he, he breaks it, or until it's just in the corner of the closet and forgotten. And the problem with that is that it doesn't stay in childhood. We bring that into our adulthood. and we, We're after things. The latest phone, the latest computer, the latest and greatest. And it brings joy until it doesn't. But what if we were to look at what we do have? Just be thankful. See, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 says that, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing. Tell your neighbor you brought nothing. We brought nothing into the world and we can't, and you can't take it with you. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. And Paul continues in verse 17 command those who are rich. See now the problem is that we don't think of ourselves as rich. But let me tell you that if you live in the United States, you're in the upper 1% of this world. You may have bills and you have notes from the bank and you have, but you are rich, my friend. So, Paul is talking to you. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in the wealth and wealth which is uncertain, but to put their hope in God who will provide us with everything for our enjoyment. Amen. What you have in your life, God gave it to you for you to enjoy. Si son unos frijolitos, enjoy it. Look at it as a T-bone steak. And when God does bring you that T-bone steak, glory, hallelujah, there's going to be some dancing. So, God has given you what you need. You have food, you have drink. You have your spouse, you have your children, you have your home. Enjoy it. Spend time and start enjoying what God gives you. The third thing is that people who are grateful tend to give more. And we're going in the same. 1 Timothy 6, verse 18. He's He's still talking to the rich. That's you. Tell your neighbor, I'm rich. Tell your neighbor, come on. Believe it, tell your other neighbor, I'm rich, come on. I may not look it, but I'm rich. So he's talking to you, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. That our responsibility, the command given to you and to me as rich people, is that we should be good in our deeds. And not only that, we should be willing to be generous with one another. Be willing to share. That if you truly want to live a life that is worth living, in order to truly live life, we need to learn to truly give life. Because when you give... And you're generous. You're giving life to somebody. Come on, think about it. Last time, last time that somebody helped you out, did you, were you not encouraged? Yeah. Or you haven't ever been helped out, right? <laughs> brother Paul, if I gave you 100 bucks right now and I said, brother, be encouraged, I'm praying for you, how would you feel? You oh, would <laughs> go buy a T-bone steak. Keep it coming, Keep it coming right? <laughs> It's like, when you give, you give life. And our, and our generosity should extend into every area of our life. Not just in our finances, which is we need to be generous financially. We need to give to our church. We need to give to, to support the, the work of the local church. But we also should give of our time. That's why we're here today, right? Because when you come to church, when you're here at church, you give life to me. You give life to the person you're sitting next to. And I want to say this in Spanish. Cuando usted viene a la iglesia, no crea que es cualquier cosa pequeña. Es algo grande para el que está seguida de usted. Porque cuando usted con su presencia viene a este lugar, usted le trae una un ánimo a su pastor. Y le trae un ánimo a su vecino que se sienta. Y cuando usted está alabando al Señor, algo comienza a suceder. Something begins to happen in my life when I see you worshiping and praying. Praising God. That's why the Bible says, "Do not neglect the meeting together of the saints." It's important. You cannot go for five, ten weeks without going to church and say you love God, because if you love God, you love your church. So our generosity extends into our money, into our time, into our relationships. You see empty chairs and you wonder where they're at, but you don't make a phone call. How do we cultivate relationships? And how do we enrich those relationships that we have? And it should extend into mentoring those of us that have been in the in the in the Christian life for a while. We should be looking to. To, to sow into others, to help others. We should be generous in our gratitude. We just read it in Philippians 1.3. Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. When is the last time you looked at somebody and said, you know what, I thank God that I remembered you? Or when you thought of somebody in your mind and you pulled out your phone and you just sent a simple message, hey, you know what, I'm thanking God for you right now. I'm saying a prayer for you. you got to be generous in your gratitude. People who are grateful tend to add joy to others. Jesus said many hard and difficult things to his disciples. And in John chapter 15, verse 11, he says, I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. He said, I've spent all this time with you, so that my joy can be your joy. As followers of Jesus, we should be looking to add joy to other people's lives. We shouldn't walk around being negative Nancys and Debbie Downers. Because no one wants to be around that person. Add joy wherever you go. That when you walk into the room... As people see you coming in, they, their, their, their faces light up because they know that you're going to bring a joy into this room. And, and we're not just bringing all and dragging all our problems in with us. Because many times we tend to just drag everything with us. How you doing, bro? Well, you know what? I'm glad you asked me. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills this month. I, 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 I got into a fight with my wife again, and it's over the same thing. I wish you would listen to pastor's uh, preachings and she would just let it go. (laughs) And and, and we... And the other person's like, why did I even ask? (laughs) Why did I ask? Add joy. Certainly you have problems. I'm not saying you don't have problems. But again, your contentment... It's not dictated by your circumstance. Your joy in your life begins to pour out of us when we recognize all the good that God has done in our lives. What did Job say? Are we only to receive the good but not the bad? And Job at the end he's saying, though though he slay me, I will continue to hope in my God. Doesn't matter how difficult life gets, it doesn't matter what the doctor told me. It doesn't matter that my marriage is falling apart. I will continue to hope in a true and living God. And my joy is based on him. And for that reason, and for that reason, I will continue to keep watch over my marriage. I will continue to pray and ask God for this sickness to be removed. I will continue to add joy to my marriage, to add joy to my children's life. On on Thursday, we were having a a small group discussion out in the lobby. One of the things that struck me, I've been reading through some of the Proverbs and, in Proverbs 11:27, 27, I shared this on Thursday, uh, I came across this and it really struck me and it hit me because it's so true. It says that whoever seeks good finds favor, but evil comes to one who searches for it. And I'm going to ask you the question again, what are you looking at? Can you see the good? Because what the Bible is saying that if you see the good, if you see the good things in your life, if you see the good things even in your problems, even in your sickness, well, guess what? If you seek the good, you're going to find favor. But if we're continuously, continuously, continuously looking at the negative and looking at the evil and looking at the bad, we will find that. And it will overwhelm us. I want favor in my life. I don't know. I don't know you. What do you want in your life? Can we be a church that that stands up this Christmas in front of their family and says, you know what, guys? It's not about these gifts, and certainly these gifts are cool, and certainly these are going to bring some happiness to your life. But what it truly is about Christmas is that Jesus was born into this world, and and he came to give us joy. And he came to give us uh, uh, these blessings that we see each and every day. What one thing in your life needs attention in order to be more grateful? Where did you find yourself? Do you need to stop comparing? Do you need to stop looking at what you don't have and enjoy what you do have? Is it time that you start giving a little bit more? Maybe here at the church you haven't begun to tithe. And maybe it's time that God is saying, you know what? Why don't you look at the things that you do have and out of that give? Maybe it's time to give a little bit more of your time and and stop saying, I can't do this. I can't make it. I'm going to go. I'm going to be there. No matter what happens, I will be there. Maybe it's time for you to start giving. Maybe it's time for you to start speaking life into other people. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. They've done all this work. They're building the wall. They're in a moment of celebration. They're they're getting together. They're going to eat. They're going to drink. And they're going to have a good time. But there's weariness in their lives. They're tired of working. And Nehemiah stands up and says, Guys, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I don't know if you've been tired lately. This season can be very tiring. Lots of things going on in life. Hang on to the joy that God's given you. He will strengthen you. He will give you what you need. And he already has given you what you have is already what you need. He's given every blessing under the the sky. He's given everything to you and to me. We have access to it. We have to stop. Be content with what we have. And be grateful. And as we look at the good, we begin to see favor in our lives. As we stop comparing, we begin to see how good God has been. And as we, as we start giving, we begin to see, as Brother Angel mentioned, that as we have our hands open, as things are leaving our hands, things are coming into our hands. Blessings are coming. Finances are coming. Resources are coming. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Father, we recognize in our lives that there have been times that we live a life of not showing gratitude, a life of discontent. But this Christmas season, through the busyness and the overwhelming uh, pace of this life, of this time, we ask you, God, that as our hearts and our eyes begin to look around, that we can see the good in our lives and that we can recognize the favor that you've had over us and in jesus name we declare this season to be a season of gratitude a season of joy in our hearts a season of joy in our families a season of joy in our marriage a season of joy in our children in everything that we have god let us see the good let us see the favor